right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, y'all, this is Danny. Uh, I just wanted to give you a heads up on today's episode. So we're still trying to record remotely with our guests, which is proving to be a bit more of a challenge than we thought it would be just you know, it was just difficult to have to sync up the audio would be like someone could hear then someone couldn't hear. And then uh, we moved from different, you know, zoom to Google Hangouts to this to that to and then finally, we just decided to do it on our phone. It just was not syncing up. We're still trying to get access to our equipment. So um, and also stay safe. We're trying to take care of ourselves and our families. And we have a lot of priorities right now, but still trying to check in every week and do this. So this episode might sound like you're talking to your friends on the phone and listening to a conversation with your friends back home because that is exactly what it is. We had to call each other on the phone. Very old school. Uh, super charming though. Koi Jandro, who's on it, is amazing uh, as always and drops a lot of knowledge about Iron Man. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. We are very aware. We troubleshooted a lot this weekend and moving forward, hopefully we can figure it out this week. But anyways, enjoy this episode on Iron Man. Stay safe. Welcome to another edition of Nerdist Descent. I'm one half of your host, Danny Fernandez, and sitting on a different in a different area of Los Angeles than me is. If you want to, yeah, we're not sitting across from each other uh, IRL, but digitally, uh, I'd say I imagine myself staring you right down the barrel, the, the two eyeballerinos. Uh, but yeah, we're back. We're back together again through this pandemic and you know uh, we're still we're still gonna keep it popping because you know what we still gotta give the people what they want we uh bear with us while our audio this week we got to figure out this recording situation um it's kind of hard to more hard harder than you would think um, trying to get like four people online at various locations. Uh, but joining us this week, we have a good friend of ours who was on for multiple episodes, 
And that is Koi Jondro. Thank you for joining us. So excited. Uh, can we speak to the irony of us doing a self-quarantine episode while we talk about a superhero that protects himself in an iron douche? Like, there's, there's some beauty here in the, <laughs> the symmetry of us feeling isolated while also talking from across the city. Yeah, no, that's the thing. We were, uh, you know, we're keeping it real. You know, this is what people need to hear. You know, so people might... Because honestly, you know, the origin, it wasn't like a self-quarantine, but, you know, Tony was trapped. And uh, and what did he do with that trapped energy? He made a suit. So maybe uh, this will inspire some listeners to make a make a COVID suit and and then um, you know uh, fight. It. I don't know. Well, let's just get right into it, folks. <laughs> this is going to be a short-ish episode, which is fine until we figure out the situation, our recording situation. Um, Koi, can you start the people off by? Just letting them know the origins of Tony Stark. Like, when did he first appear? So, one of my favorite things about Tony Stark is Stan Lee wanted to invent a superhero that was kind of unlikable. They they set out to make a character that he thought no one would appreciate. So, intentionally kind of standoffish, someone that wouldn't be appreciated by the masses. And to me, that speaks to Marvel is... There's this constant underdog mentality, even with his own fans. Like, he's the underdog amongst even likability. So he came around in the late 60s. Um, he showed up first in, I think, like 1963, 64. And then he had his own comic by the late 60s. So it took four or five years for him to have his own run. And he took off in Tales of Suspense. And that's where you get, like, the Iron Man 1 origin, where he's in that very bulky suit, uh, the full blocky I am Iron Man grill. And then by the time he started in his own title, that was the more red and yellow suit. It evolved really quickly. But he was meant to be modeled after uh, Howard Hughes, who, if you guys don't know Howard Hughes, Howard Hughes was a, a prolific inventor, but a bit of a dick uh, and a bit of a recluse and kind of a crazy person. Uh, if you've seen that, The Aviator, Leonardo DiCaprio played Howard Hughes, and you may remember that he ended up living in a, in a small area, peeing in jars and going insane. And I feel like that kind of reflects the Tony Stark mentality, like Demon in a Bottle. Demon in a Bottle is one of the most iconic runs of Iron Man, and Demon in a Bottle for Howard Hughes was really peeing in bottles. There's a lot of beautiful symmetry with the real life. And then Disney, when they took over, kind of made his dad, Howard Stark, no coincidence, Howard, Howard, uh, an amalgamation of Howard Hughes and Walt Disney. So it's really cool how life's kind of reflected art with this character that we now have Disney owning the character and mirroring it after their own creator while also mirroring their original creator. And Iron Man himself is very much Robert Downey Jr., who's managed to play this unlikable character so likably. So uh, the, the story about Iron Man from the 60s on is this amazing life-imitating art-imitating life situation. And now we've got one of the most iconic characters ever. And he was a C-lister up until the movies. So it's cool that he's so popular now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, so these were some of Lee uh, Stanley's thoughts in 1963. He had been toying with the idea of a businessman superhero. He wanted to create the, quote, quintessential capitalist. Uh, this is a quote from him. I think I gave myself a dare. It was the height of the Cold War. The readers, the young readers, if there was one thing they hated, it was war. It was the military. So I got a hero who represented that to the hundredth degree. He was a weapons manufacturer. He was providing weapons for the army. He was rich. He was an industrialist. I thought it would be fun to take the kind of character that nobody would like, 
none of our readers would like and shoved him down their throats and make them like him. And he became very popular. That's so fascinating that he wanted to do something that he knew, like you said, make a, a character incredibly unlikable, including having Guy Fieri's facial hair. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I always thought yeah. the facial hair was a visual cue because when you see a dude, it's kind of like the '90s goatee today. Like if you see a dude like with a Nickelback shirt and a and a goatee, you're like, well, man, I'm not gonna talk to that guy. And I feel like the Tony Stark facial hair is very much a visual, like, well, that's not for me. So even down to his facial hair, they've always given him this like hyper aggressive, hyper masculine, hyper down your throat persona. And then and people have often compared him to, you know billionaire philanthropist, uh, two different versions of the characters. There's some Batman parallels. But to me, what's interesting is that Tony Stark is just as hard on the outside as the Iron Man suit. Whereas Bruce Wayne, the persona of Bruce Wayne is the fake persona. Like Bruce Wayne is the character. Batman is the reality. Whereas Iron Man definitely feels like what Tony Stark idealizes himself as. So I feel like Tony Stark and the Iron Man is much more of the same thing, whereas Bruce Wayne and the Batman are two very different things. I feel like uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman are, there's a dichotomy there that doesn't exist with Iron Man and Tony Stark. I think the brusque outside hard shell maintains itself when you meet Tony Stark. Very few people, I feel like, actually know who Tony Stark is, which is a really different character choice. Well, I feel like Tony Stark is very messy, like publicly messy, like even though he, they're both, you know, billionaires, I feel Tony embraces that and Bruce is more about appearances. And so I don't think he allows himself. He's so put together. I mean, it's funny that um, Christian Bale played him because he also was an American psycho. And that's what I think of is just this like slicked back hair, super well put together. You never see him off his game. Uh, when he's Bruce Wayne, whereas Tony, like, publicly, I think, is okay with being a jokester and a prankster. And, like, he just, to me, he's just, like, a like a messier, younger brother of Bruce <laughs> or something, if they're both billionaires. Like, one's, like, a black sheep, and one's the leader of the family. And the fact that Downey Jr. improvised the I Am Iron Man line, it, it so embodies the character. The fact that the Marvel Universe forever changed because Iron Man revealed himself in the first movie. The, the MCU kicked off with Iron Man, and it ended with him saying, I am Iron Man. That's such a Tony Stark move. Like, that's such a arrogance, this is how it's going to be. I've decided this precedent. So I love the fact that we live, we live in a time where Iron Man is so self-actualized, because I'd argue that Iron Man knows himself more in the movies than he did in the comics until the movies existed. I think we know who Iron Man is in the comics more now because of the movies existing. Well, I think too, casting somebody that had a addiction issue that could speak to that yeah. uh, probably brought, brought a lot of heart to the character. Yeah, I, I think yeah. someone that identifies with being uh, rich and uncertain what to do with that power is, is exactly why the character is so real. The Iron Man 3, which is, I think, still slept on, dealing with PTSD and dealing with trauma and like all the mental aspects of that movie I think it's incredible that that's a superhero film, but it really takes that side of things seriously. And that, that's the strength of the character of Iron Man is he's unlikable, and yet he's, he's got all that heart that's buried under an iron suit. And that was uh, kind of what, uh, what was so kind of poetic about Iron Man and the role of Iron Man is that, you know, Iron Man becomes this comeback character who, like, defeats his, like, alcoholism and kind of moves forward and has new life. And that's kind of what that was for, like, Robert Downey Jr. in his real life. You know, he was just coming off. This was kind of his, like, 
the Iron Man movies was kind of his comeback movies after kind of being uh, not necessarily, but kind of blacklisted within Hollywood because he just had this, you know, addiction problem. And then he kind of this new clean life that he kind of gets to portray in this movie. And I think it really did turn his whole career around. Yeah, I was going to say writer Gary Conway said um, this was of the the comics. Here you have this character who on the outside is invulnerable. I mean, just can't be touched, but inside is a wounded figure. Stan made it very much an in-your-face wound. You know, his heart was broken, you know, literally broken. But there's a metaphor going on there, and that's, I think, what made that character interesting. Now, uh, Jerry Conway should be noted, the last time I was on your show, we talked Punisher. That is the man who made Punisher. That is the man who killed Gwen Stacy. That is the man who knows all about pain and heart and suffering. Uh, he's calling <laughs> some of the most suffering in all of comic books. Uh, so I, I love that his take on Iron Man is like, I killed Gwen Stacy. But man, that Iron Man knows pain and suffering. <laughs> So yeah, I think, uh, I think right Iron Man is, uh, is it's cool that he's kind of the pseudo-leader of the Avengers, because you've got Captain America, who's the opposite. He's kind of like hard on his sleeve, and Iron Man is like mess on his sleeve, but he kind of hides his heart. A lot of people, like the Wasp, and a few people know like what, what gets to Iron Man and how he ticks, but he's got so many like iron walls up in, uh, in the comics and the movies. Yeah, so another thing I wanted to talk about, I know we compared him to Bruce Wayne, who's a ladies' man. Uh, but Iron Man is also a ladies' man. In fact, uh, Stan Lee said, of all the comic books we published at Marvel, we got more fan mail for Iron Man from women than any other title. We didn't get much fan mail from girls, but whenever we did, the letter was usually addressed to Iron Man. Uh, I find that fascinating because I don't know who they think they're writing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe they think that he's a real person over at Marvel, uh, Mr. Stark, but that's adorable that women were writing, I guess, that they just wanted more of him or his oh, And there's that, that Hugh Hefner persona, like there's that element, and mm-hmm. like family doing the, the Hugh Hefner cameo in Iron Man, like that, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a, a bit of the braggadocious nature of, of Tony Stark, but I can definitely see that being appealing to a certain demographic. Uh, so it's really funny that there's it, it's it's interesting how people uh, want fictionalized characters to like represent a piece of them, and I feel like that's completely happened with Tony Stark. So you you brought up Demon in the Bottle, and I think we should probably like explain that a little more for uh, for the listeners because Demon in the Bottle was the, the nine issue story arc from the Invisible Iron Man uh, that was published in issues one twenty through one twenty eight in nineteen seventy nine. What was that all about? Imagine, like, fresh off the Comics Code Authority, they're worried about printing anything that portrays too much violence or drug use or any of these things, and then you've got one of your your characters at your place wielding the Marvel banner being a, an alcoholic on the cover. It's one of the most it's one of the most copied covers. It's one of the most, uh, you know, imitated storylines, but a guy with all of that power drunk in his suit. It's a commentary on DUIs. It's a commentary, uh, like commentary on power and responsibility. Like, people behind the wheel of a car is one thing that is horrible and reflective of the time. And then imagine someone with their button, like, on the nuke. Like, if you can wield an iron suit drunk, that is a terrifying commentary on power. Uh, and, and say what you will about this country, but we definitely wield power in very interesting ways. So I liked it in the 70s, and we were going through some war commentary. They really looked at an industrialist who made weapons not being able to handle his addiction. 
So Demon of the Model was him looking at himself and realizing he had a problem, realizing that he was an addict, realizing that he couldn't handle his own, like he didn't like himself enough to handle himself well. And this country has always had a weird thing with alcohol. Like we look at, up until recently, weed was something you go to prison for life for. Like weed, weed has always been this thing. But since Prohibition, we have alcohol as like this totally acceptable vice and drug. So Iron Man was like, nah, bro, you can die. Like this is an aggressively bad time. Yeah. So it really, I, it shepherded that. And I, I think that's really cool that comics looked at alcohol in a way that movies glorify alcohol, uh, books glorify alcohol. Comics were like, no, no, this is just as dangerous, if not more than a lot of things. You can walk to a liquor store and get behind the wheel of a car or an iron suit. Yeah, I, I just uh, wanted to describe the cover for those who haven't seen it. And looking at it, I definitely saw this before. Uh, so, so just so people who may not have seen it, and you can Google this, if you look up Iron Man Demon in the bottle, first it'll give you the trade that doesn't have the cover, and it's like, what are you doing, Google? But then if you look in, it's just going to show you. Uh, but it, it's the Iron Man cover. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's, it, he's sitting in a suit, but under the suit is the Iron Man suit, the Iron Man helmet is, is, is everything about this cover is pretty great. The helmet is looking at him. It's it's in the it's in front of the mirror. It shows a bottle of, of whiskey. What it's kind of poured over. Looks like he drank some, and he's sweating, staring at his reflection in the mirror of, of like who he is. It's it's there's so many little like details just in this cover that are just great. And Tony Stark, we talked about his facial earlier. Another cool thing about this cover is he's not coiffed. Like his his suit jacket is torn. He's got like you know uh, not even five o'clock shadow, like ten o'clock shadow. And like yeah. he's a he's a broken man. And they they reflected that some in Iron Man too with that party scene. Uh, also in Infinity War, um, when he's talking to the helmet, and then in Endgame at the beginning when he's talking to the helmet, there's a lot of that. Yeah, the Hamlet metaphor, like the Hamlet metaphor is in this cover. Yes. It's so great. You're exactly right. I just watched Endgame again and uh, while we're stuck in here. And uh, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought of. There's also, um, I'll have to send this to y'all over our, our Google Hangout, but there's a, somebody recreated the cover with a Lego. So it's like a Lego angry Tony Stark looking at his little Lego helmet. And then there's little Lego wine bottles <laughs> knocked over. That's amazing. Great. There's yeah, also yeah, actually, a Deadpool recreation Mar- of that. I was going to say, yeah. there's also a Marvel milestone uh, figure where it's an action figure of just that scene. Uh, it's completely sold out, though. Uh, so good luck trying <laughs> to find it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm desperately seeing if there's any pricing on it. It was originally for 140 I highly doubt you're going to find it for that much. Yeah, Deadpool and the Jerry Duggan run, not to confuse with Jerry Conway, there's a cover with Deadpool, and it's it's the same cover. It's Tony Stark looking in the mirror, but it's Deadpool looking back at him, drinking a, a like a like a shake, and it's like the curly straw, and it's, it's, it's gold. But also, the uh, during the time, like, uh, 79 was, was the theme of the model, and this was when all the spy stuff was really big and popular. So there's also, like, the, the Tony Stark, James Bond commentary. There's a lot of the espionage flavor and all those things. So to have the character that uh, hyper-masculine and at the time, like, you know, we as a country don't talk about, like, men's emotions nearly enough in general, but especially not these hyper-masculine characters. So to have someone like Tony Stark have an alcohol problem, be like having James Bond be like, I don't drink martinis anymore. It was a really big thing to have that kind of character. It'd be like John Hamm having an alcohol problem on Mad Men. 
it was a really different time. So it kind of changed the whole tone of comics in the 80s. Oh, yeah. This cover is intense. Yeah, it's um, really great. Uh, and, you know, obviously for all your co- collectors out there, not going for too much. I'm not going to break the wallet. Because all things considered, Iron Man, even with all his popularity, since he's had so many runs of comics, he gets canceled a lot because he wasn't popular, as popular until the movies and stuff. You can get a decent run of Iron Man comics for not too bad. Like, as far as the cost of collecting goes, he's not your Spider-Man, he's not your X-Men. Yeah, the Demon in the Bottle 7.5 quality uh, in, 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 uh, in the case. 70 bucks right now. Get on it, Internet. Oh. <laughs> we have to take a really quick break. We're going to hop into more Iron Man right after this. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We are back. We're still here with Koi. Uh, so, Koi, you were going to talk to us about the his different suits. I'm looking actually at a poster of all of them. That's pretty legit. Um, yeah. He's a he's a toy maker's dream. Before there were toys, like he or not before there were toys, but before they made a hundred different toys. Now it's a different time. But if you look at the the suit, it's really fun because you've got all the different coloring. You've all got all the different shapes and designs. It's kind of like the fun of getting to draw a car or a vehicle, but on a man. So it's a fun thing for an artist to design. And then there's the the military and medieval aspect. There's the, um, you know, uh, aerodynamic aspect. You look at the ultimate Iron Man suit. It looks completely different than the regular Iron Man suit. You look at kind of the spinoff characters like War Machine, and you can it, it becomes more tank-like. So the, the design of the character is a lot of fun because depending on what you need the power set to do, you can make the suit that. You've got your underwater suits. You've got your space suits. You've got extremists. You've got all these things. 
And it's really fun because the writer and the artist get to really redesign and shape the character. And as long as it looks enough like Iron Man, it's Iron Man. One of these, I'm not going to lie, looks kind of like Captain, I mean, Captain Planet. Uh, that does not surprise me. <laughs> I like the uh, Iron Patriot suit because he kind of took over the the Stars and Stripes flavor of Captain America as like this kind of tongue-in-cheek. Oh, yeah. And uh, that also became a, a tricky suit because it was a villain suit. Uh, Norman Osborn actually got a hold of it when he was leading the Thunderbolts. So that suit became an icon of good and then immediately evil. And that's, you know, say you about Marvel, but they're never not political. This was during a very certain time in our country, and it was an interesting run. <laughs> no, yeah, we talked about this when we've talked about some of the other, I think we talked about this on your episode, but Marvel and DC have covered every single war since their inception. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really funny that whenever people are like, keep politics out of it. And it's just like, uh, since you've ever been in, involved in comics, they have been political. They've always been I political. Comics were not invented for that only, but like part of their invention was to be political commentary. Like comic books are, that's why there's political comics. That's why in the newspaper you have a commentary on things. So it's also the, the voice of society. You've got literature meeting art, which are two very politically charged things. So it's really funny when any piece of pop culture is like, keep politics out of it. And it's like, no, pop culture reflects the times. And if the times are dire, that's going to be the thing. And if you got a war profiteering character, Tony Stark is a character that made billions off war and then was destroyed by his own mm-hmm. devices and then fought wars. Like, that sounds a little political, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. just, like, the need... I was going to say the need for superheroes in itself is innately political. Because, like, we have... We have a governmental, you know, we have our own military and officers and things like that. And then to say, oh, but we still need people fighting crime is kind of a political commentary in my mind um, about inadequacies and and, uh, injustices. But um, I wanted to talk to you, Koi, too, about some of your favorite Iron Man storylines. So the politics actually ties nicely into that because you've got like Colonel Rhodes, whose war machine is obviously that's that's very that's American military so that ties into that world, and that leads beautifully into Civil War. The Civil War is you know about the Registration Act, and if we're talking about you know government control, there's not much more controlling than revealing your identity or not. Or you know in the times we live in now, Big Brother and how much uh, access the government has to our privacy and shit. And obviously, Civil War was a commentary on that is is privacy and your own individual rights as a, as a citizen. So Iron Man saying, basically, I want this to be publicly known and Captain America going against it, that's a giant piece of political commentary. I think Civil War is an absolutely brilliant run. It got Captain America killed in the comics. One of my favorite single issues of Iron Man is called The Confession. And it's Brian Michael Bendis wrote it, if I remember correctly, and uh, it's after Cap dies, and it's Tony at his bedside basically apologizing for being wrong. So it's Tony Stark and like talking to Cap's dead body, like I'm so sorry I got you killed. That I'm fucked up. So that's kind of the strength of Iron Man is he doesn't he thinks he's right up until he's wrong. Like he'll be the first to apologize after he's proven completely wrong, but he'll be the last one to say he's wrong because that's the character <laughs> and and that's that's demon in a bottle. That's that's extremist. He's also uh, one of my other favorite arcs is the infamous Iron Man, and he kind of goes power crazy. And he puts devices in the entire country and he helps people that can't walk. He helps the disabled. He helps people with, you know, um, cures for all these diseases. But then he starts charging for them and basically starts profiteering off of the entire country's health. So it's kind of the giant supervillain Tony Stark arc. 
So infamous Iron Man is, oh, sorry, Superior Iron Man, my bad. Superior Iron Man is him becoming a almost dictator like Dr. Doom and profiteering off of everyone's health, but also thinking like, wait, wait, I helped everyone. Why, why shouldn't I make money? So Superior Iron Man, <laughs> check out, like, it, it's a crazy, and that's also, I mean, that's about as political as it gets while we're dealing with a fucking COVID crisis. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how we reflect these times in comic books, because Iron Man is going to be reflecting the present in about six months. And Superior Iron Man would totally be about, you know, government testing for coronavirus for a price. Uh, so there's been a lot of arcs that are dealing with profiteering. Um, I really like Extremist because it's him, um, his power set, basically, he can bring the suit to him at all times. So it's dealing with nanotech. Uh, currently in the comics, he's downloaded his psyche. He died. And he's an AI entity. Iron Man right now is just an AI construct. Tony Stark's dead. So it's him dealing with the concept of what reality is. Is my memories and my existence real? Is my body real? What does it mean to be real? Am I just a program? So very like existential insanity. Well, I was going to say, because you were talking about how Cap died, but Tony, uh, what are the instances of him like sacrificing himself in uh, the comics? Well, but there's uh, Armor Wars, which is another one of his best arcs, where he basically has to take out all of his suits. And they, they reflect that in Iron Man 3, and it was kind of like the death of Iron Man, not Tony Stark. So sacrificing all of his technology, all of that for the greater good. Um, he sacrifices himself in the Ultimates run quite a bit. In the Ultimates, he's very much the, the modern billionaire craziness. Um, so he's definitely sacrificed his company many times. Uh, Stark's tech has been owned by lots and lots of people. Um, but Tony Stark himself, only, which is funny to say because comics, has only died like four or five times. I want to talk about the movies because it's, it's so interesting how big Iron Man now, when back when, and I believe we talked about this before on the podcast, where like when Iron Man the movie was made, it was just made because they're like, well, this is a, this is a no risk factor. This is a character that no one's attached to. This is just Iron Man. It's not a Spider-Man. It's not a, you know, tap. So we can just make this movie and try and see, and then it just blows up. And and for RDJ, aka Robert Downey Jr., being like the biggest part of it, I think a lot of people don't know, Marvel didn't even want a Robert Downey Jr. uh, at the the beginning because of the bad publicity and rest that he had due to his drug and alcohol. Yeah, they wanted uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, which, <laughs> which would have been such a different one. Mm-hmm. I think that, like I, I could see Tom Cruise as a Tony Stark. Like he fits some of the archetypes, he fits some of the storylines, he fits some of the stuff. But if you think about Tom Cruise movies, they're very much Tom Cruise and it's kind of like uh, kind of like how the X Men, in my opinion, got messed up in the movies because they were Wolverine and the X Men. It was it was Brian Singer's mutants. There was never an X Men show. So I don't if if we got Tony Stark as Tom Cruise it would have been that. It wouldn't have been Tom Cruise as Tony Stark. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten the MCU in the way it is today. It wouldn't have been the Avengers. It wouldn't have been these giant team-ups because I feel like it wouldn't have been... Like, Mission Impossible tried to bring in Jeremy Renner as, like, the second guy, and then it's back to being Tom Cruise, age 50-something, doing all the insanity still because Tom Cruise is like, this is my franchise. <laughs> you know what's so funny is um, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth, you know, they had, like, all these alternate... The CW had all these alternate... Supermans and Batmans, and it would be really funny if Marvel did that, but had Tom Cruise as like the alternate Tony Stark. 
if they ever did like a full-on live-action Spider-Verse type thing where there's alternate realities and Tom Cruise cameos for five minutes, like if he's like old man Stark, like Downey Jr. doesn't want to come back, if there's like a Kang storyline, can you imagine Kang bringing in like 70-year-old Tom Cruise in 10 years, 15 years? I was going to say John Krasinski auditioned like what, five times or like to be Cap. Um, So that could also be... John could also be the alternate universe cap in the Spider-Verse. Like, just everybody that auditioned for it that almost got it, that, like, is really close looking but not quite totally embodies the character, just, like, have them be the alternate universe ones. That would be so funny. Yeah, like Josh Hutcherson or Dylan O'Brien as Spider-Man, like, meeting Tom Holland, not to mention the Tom (laughs) Squire Madness. It'd be so dope. Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) <laughs> oh, can you imagine? I still think he'd be a great Norman Osborne man. Can you imagine like Timmy Chalamet as like the best friend, but like super handsome and evil? Oh yeah, yes. that, that would that would be that'd be a slapper. I was gonna say one thing about the movie that I remember is it kind of just set the bar and changed the game for all of the superhero movies after that. It was like nothing was quite like it. Uh, it still it had a ton of comedy in it, and I just remember the soundtrack too, like ACDC and all of that. Like it just really, I think, changed the game for superhero oh, movies. Time. Like that was that was the next phase of superhero movies. Well, two thousand eight had both the Dark Knight and Iron Man in one year, so two thousand eight was about to change the decade, and it changed the entire genre because you, uh, no one loved them or hated them. You can't argue that two thousand tens were a superhero decade. That's what movies changed the industry. That's all that. And it kicked off with Iron Man and Dark Knight. And Iron Man was like, if you were saying, such a what such a not gamble gamble. It was a gamble financially because they were giving it to John Favreau, who at the time had made swingers and smaller films. Robert Downey Jr., who had just finished, you know, his his comeback with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is still the most slept on movie of our time. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is, I, I would say, the most underappreciated film of the 2000s. Uh, so he had one movie, like just coming back. So that's a hard sell to anybody. And then it's the thing that launches the biggest industry of all time. So Iron Man, for me, is probably the biggest underdog story in cinema. Like, Because you know Lord of the Rings is going to make a billion dollars. You know Spider-Man is going to make all this money. Iron Man's an unknown studio being released by Paramount. It wasn't even released by Marvel Studios because they didn't have distribution. Like, It was only 12 years ago that Marvel Studios couldn't release a movie. Paramount had to be like, all right, fine. We'll call the theaters we know. Here's your shit. And now it's, it's <laughs> Marvel. Like, it's crazy. So that was a huge risk. And uh, I remember the, the the writing production was uh, they were making up sides as they went along, which became a problem with Iron Man 2. Is like the script was being written by John Favreau and Downey Jr. as they went along. So luckily, you know, Jeff Bridges was super amiable to, to improv. And Downey Jr. obviously is a genius at improv. But it's insane that the movie that changed the entire decade of the 2010s wasn't finished being written when they were filming it. Wild. It also was a time before, I was like, oh my gosh, that was before Star Wars was with Disney and Marvel was with Disney. Totally forgot that time. And and they only had Iron Man because they couldn't sell them. In the the, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Marvel was so broke, they were selling off their characters. So Universal got Hulk because everyone knows Hulk. Spider-Man went to Sony, X-Men went to Fox. They couldn't unload Iron Man if they wanted to. So then they're like, we should make our own movies. We've got this Iron Man and this God of Thunder and like Iron Man changed the game. Well, it's really funny to me because their choice of picking these characters that are C-list characters kind of fit with like this outcast. Like when I think of Chris Pratt, he always 
played like this goofy kind of not he would he wasn't considered like an A-list the hunky actor he wasn't the Brad Pitt or whatever and so to me it's really fascinating that they were able to make gold with having outcast actors playing outcast characters and even broader than that, we talk about like Marvel being the underdog, uh, comic book studio with their characters being underdogs. You've got Spider-Man, anyone can wear the mask. You've got all of these things. And then the studio that couldn't get their own distribution becomes the biggest studio in the world. That's like, that's like Rudy, but the studio. That's like a sports movie. That's remember the Titans, but the studio. <laughs> we have to take another really quick break and then we're going to hop back into Iron Man and talk about the future of Iron Man right after this. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. Welcome back to Meridificent. I am. Ify Wadiway and sitting across from me digitally is Danny. Danny Fernandez. We are here. We're doing it. We're trying to do it. Um, we're still we still have our friend Koi here. Now Koi, um, let's talk about Riri. When Riri took over the mantle, um, what uh what happened with that storyline? So Riri Williams is another Brian Michael Bendis creation. Uh, he's come up a couple times. He also invented Miles Morales. He's also written a lot of the best uh, quippy Iron Man. That's like his voice really suits Tony Stark and that snark. Uh, if you actually, if a lot of people know Iron Man from the movies. The moment where Iron Man puts on the Infinity Gauntlet is an, a, a John Meter Jr. Brian Michael Bendis cover. That there's a cover of Iron Man wielding the Infinity Gauntlet. So Brian Michael Bendis, the writer, knows Iron Man very well. And Riri Williams is one of his creations. She's fairly new. She's only five years old, something like that, around five years old. 
Um, and she is a young science prodigy. She's from Chicago. She lost one of her very good friends at a young age. She's got the Marvel traditional, like her parents are, are tricky, they don't understand her, and I lost someone very important to me. In this case, what I liked about her is she didn't lose her parents. She had a single mom raise her, and she lost her best friend. So losing a friend mm-hmm. in the streets of Chicago, like that's a really traumatic experience. And it was nice to not have the traditional like Uncle Ben or, or Batman parents. Like it was a friend. Yeah. So she kind of represents the modern day, like the the kid on the streets. Like people lose people, their peers, and that's just as traumatic as your parents. So she's uh, the street kid from Chicago and she gets accepted to MIT at like 16. So I have a soft spot for reading some of Boston kids. So the fact that she's like an MIT kid at 16 is like, hell yeah. Uh, and she invents her own suit. She goes to MIT by day, fights fight villainy by night. Uh, she's like a snarky little girl from the Chicago streets. Um, and she starts up a kind of a think tank uh, with all these other girls that are, that are hyper-intelligent science girls. Uh, and it's a, it's a book led by um, Wasp. And it's, it's girl-like. It's an acronym for girls. I forget what the acronym is because there's so much comics. But it's, uh, it's like a think tank for intelligent, scientifically-based women. And I think that's just so rad for girls to have science as the basis of a book. For a kid to read a book and be like, superheroes are just super smart. Like, Riri, superpower, is she did the shit and she's smart. And that's, uh, I think that's the best thing we can teach kids, especially if they're from rougher neighborhoods, especially if they're trying to see what right and wrong is. Like the moral compass that Riri Williams gives kids from the streets, especially people that have lost people to, to gun violence and to growing up in not the nicest neighborhood. Riri Williams is literally the definition of rags to riches, and she's using it to help people. And she's not rich. She's just got an Iron Man suit. I was going to say, so she also popped up... Um in uh, Marvel Rising, Heart of Iron, right? She's uh, voiced by Sophia Wiley. Sorry, go ahead, Koi. Yeah, she's, she's got a cartoon. She also, she's in The Champions, so she's got like a spinoff book. So she's part, like, The Champions are like a very uh, politically charged Avengers. The Champions go after, you know, the smaller things where they can help people on the street, and the book is very uh, self-aware in that it's trying to get messages across. So she's a character that's really like, hey, this is messed up. These are the people you need to be helping. So the champions and her cartoon are both very politically charged as to what it's like to grow up in these less than affluent areas and how we can all be helping. Well, you'll love this, Koi, because MIT actually in 2017, their admissions department released a short live action video of Riri walking around campus, attending class and building an Ironheart suit in her dormitory. We live in a time where MIT made a Riri Williams video. Can we just take a moment <laughs> to appreciate that's like That's like in the 90s if Harvard was like, yeah, we've got this girl, Natalie Portman, attending our school. She's going to play Thor later. Like the, the level of just appreciation from Ivy League glory just warms my heart because now we have the Wakanda outreach, like an actual Wakandan, like after Black Panther succeeded, they started building actual scientific communities in the neighborhoods where uh, the movie took place. And now we've got MIT being like, by the way, we know we got Riri Williams. Like, what a great time to be a kid reading comics or an adult to go like, look, we worked. We did it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on in the comics right now. I believe, like, the X-Men are, once again, trying to create another Genova. And <laughs> we have uh, these, they're trying to outlaw teens from being uh, superheroes. They think they're irresponsible. But, uh, you know, in spite of all that, what do you think the future is for Iron Man, especially since Tony Stark is dead? 
so what's interesting about Iron Man right now is he's dealing with the ramifications of being an AI, and then there's a lot of interesting commentary where robots are treated like people, and they're treated like less than people simultaneously. So it's about human rights, but they're doing it through the very thinly veiled like robot rights. So it's Marvel like having this great commentary on like what it means to be a person, but they're doing it through robots, which is a really cool angle of like what it means to exist, what it means to be an entity. So right now there's a really really interesting run. Uh, I believe it's uh, who's writing it, Dan Slott. Dan Slott's writing um, Iron Man right now and dealing with the the concept of existence. And then Arno Stark, which is Iron Man's big brother, Tony Stark's big brother, Arno. He's Iron Man 2020. So there's this completely separate arc of Arno Stark as Iron Man, and he's a little rougher around the edges. He's a little bit more of an industrialist that wants to take over things. So right now, Iron Man in the books isn't even Tony Stark. It's Arno Stark, and it's a totally different flavor. It's very like, do you remember the 2099 comics where like Miguel O'Hara was Spider-Man and there was different like alternate universe stuff? Arno uh-huh. Stark's like that. It's like the little edgier, like, what is the future? But we also live in the year 2020, which just feels futuristic as fuck. Well, I was going to say, we actually opened up our Twitter asking people about their favorite Iron Man uh, experiences. By the way, if you don't follow Nerdificent on Twitter, uh, we every week we're going to be asking, you know, a different question pertaining to the episode. So it's a great way to get a shout out. Make sure that you follow us on there. But this one is from Charles Xavier Lasserte, uh, who said, my dad, who's had a comic budget of $500 a month since the 80s, I have a question about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that budget has gotten smaller over time. <laughs> Damn, dude, that budget has gotten smaller. In the 80s was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money now, but what does your dad do? Um, hadn't gone to a movie theater in almost 20 years. Iron Man was released at the same time. A brand new movie theater opened up, and we went as a family of six. I mean, really, what does your dad do? This is the dad from Home Alone. Like, that was... <laughs> how do you have six kids and a $500 comic book budget? Um, then we went again the next day after school, then five times more. Again, sir, what does your dad do? <laughs> He's actually Charles Xavier. Like, that is legit. Like, he runs a school for Wayward Mutants. I'm impressed. Wow. Uh, the only other comic book moment that ever compared was when I took him to see Logan as being a short, hairy Canadian himself. That was his favorite character. He snuck in my name being Charles Xavier by tricking my mom. Well, his name is really wow. Charles Xavier. <laughs> wow. His family sounds amazing. I love your entire family, by the way. <laughs> uh, I thought it was, um, that was just a Twitter name. Bro's name is Charles Xavier. That's what's up. That's so funny. That's like our friend Laura, uh, whose son is Picard. Uh, I think yeah. he has a couple of names. Like all, of, he has like three names, and they're all nerd based. Okay, this one's from Chris Bibb. He said the great moment in Matt Fraction's Hawkeye when where Tony tried to get his friend Hawkeye to stop living like a slob. Do you remember this, Coy? Uh, I don't actually. Which which moment is it? he said living like a slob? He's looking at like his Christmas tree and like. He just has a bunch of boxes and his apartment. He looks like he might have punched a hole in the wall, which is peak Hawkeye uh, vibes. <laughs> um, yeah. I also, before we before we leave the last one, um, I would still maintain, we're talking about the movies, we're talking about Iron Man. I would maintain that even after 12 years and 23 movies, Iron Man 1 is still in my top five. Like, I agree with this guy. Going to the movie theater, Iron Man 1, it's, it's, 
even after all the movies they've had since, there's something still special about that first Iron Man. I totally agree. That's such a it's such a genre redefining movie, and it still holds up. Like if you watch Iron Man today, it's still an incredible time. Yeah, so the next one, Dave Marrero says, really loved how in the Infinity War movie, Iron Man and Doctor Strange were picking on each other to prove if the science engineering or the mystical had the edge at the battlefront. Facial hair bros. There's a running, there's yeah. a running joke in, uh, in the comic books so that since they both have ridiculous facial hair, uh, Tony Stark always wants to refer to them as facial hair bros, and he's always trying to high-five, and Tony Stark's about it, and, and Strange hates it. So Stephen Strange and there's like this weird bromance that I love because I'm a, I, the bromance genre is my shit. Like buddy cops is the best genre in the world. So in the comics, uh, <laughs> Doc Strange and Iron Man are like buddy cops that can't stand each other. So I love that in Infinity War and Endgame they kind of reflected that. Like I, I was waiting for them to yell uh, facial hair bros. It never happened, but maybe there's a deleted scene. <laughs> Who knows what will happen? But I, I, if, if somehow they sneak in Tony back in. No. They gotta, they gotta do it. They gotta do it. No, gotta I do know, it. Iffy. They gotta I hear do they it. filmed. Uh, I hear they filmed the Iron Strange. I hear there's a moment they actually filmed where uh, they had Stephen Strange wearing the Iron Man suit, like out there somewhere in the deleted scenes with Benedict Cumberbatch in the Iron Suit while they're fighting. Wow. <laughs> he was heavily in Far From Home, so he was present. He was he was there. His essence was there. Okay, so, effectively I'm, Uncle Ben in the MCU. Like, they just full-on named Tony Stark Uncle Ben. He was, he was, like, talking about power and responsibility. He was mourning his loss. Like, they definitely made sure Tony Stark was still in that Spider-Man movie. Thank you for joining us under these circumstances. Uh, we hope that you are, you know, social distancing there with your cat, which I could see popping <laughs> into your frame. <laughs> You said Spidey. Oh, also, yeah, my cat's name is Spidey Cat. For all you listeners, I have maintained that. <laughs> uh, I started social distancing on Thursday. This is this is fully a weekend. I'm going mad, uh, but I'm so glad we can still talk about comics even from across town. Like 2020 has allowed us, after an hour and a half of fighting, to manage a podcast. We tried for an hour before this started, and this is the best sound that we could do. So I just want you all to know that. I'm sure it sounds solid. <laughs> Koi, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and now YouTube at Koi Jandro. That's C-O-Y-J-A-N-D-R-E-A-U. I used to host this show called Collider Heroes. If we ever get out of uh, quarantine, I will host this show called Comic Book Shopping. So that means I have to be around people because I bring people to comic book stores and I hope both of those <laughs> things exist in the next two months. I miss people and comic book stores. Uh, but on YouTube, I'm basically doing what I used to do on, uh, on Collider Heroes and giving commentary on every single comic from the big studios every single week all of the news all of the madness all while trying to learn youtube because i'm not used to, i didn't know obs existed until like five weeks ago so i'm learning along with everybody else well i i want to i this is a question and maybe a pro tip that you can give to our listeners which is how are you getting your comics during this quarantine so right now, uh, House of Secrets is still doing curbside pickups, so I don't have to interact with a human. So I have a pull list, uh, which I set up ahead of time, and I have all my comics picked out for me, and then they let me pick them up outside, and I pay in advance, or I owe, like there's a tab. So it's literally like, it feels like a, like a sketchy, like, hey, mister, with liquor store. I'm like, hey, let's just get those comics. And I like, grab my book. Uh, but you can also, Comixology is a great app for digital comics. Uh, I have to read a lot of my comics digitally because they add up like 300 comics in a long box adds up quick. So digital comics are great. And Comixology has this borrowing system with a lot of older runs. So I'm rereading Why the Last Man right now completely for free 
because you can borrow the first few volumes for free, and it's like going to the library. So it's a digital Ooh. library, and we're living in an apocalypse. So it's a great time to read Why the Last Man about an apocalypse. So read comics. You guys got free time. Make it happen. Do it. Yeah. I'm at Ms. Jenny Fernandez on the things. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for putting up with, uh, you know, for, for being generous about everything going on right now as uh, all of our podcasts here are trying to figure out what we're doing. Uh, but next week will be equally as great. We really appreciate Koi for coming on and doing yeah. this with us. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, truly thanks, Koi, for stopping by dropping that knowledge yet again. And you know it's me. Uh, if you want away on Twitter and Instagram, if he's on Twitch, yeah, luckily, uh, Super Punch is a Twitch late night show, so we're keeping that thing going just from my home. So keep tuning in at 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific Time, Monday through Thursday. All right, cool. And like we always say, even when we're miles away from each other, stay Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.